Hi, everyone. I'm Mila Brujic, and today we're joined with Dr. Mark Schaefer, where we're going to be talking about range in optometry today on the OI Show. All right, so I'd like everybody to, to meet Mark Schaefer. Mark, um, I don't think you need an introduction. You're becoming one of the rising stars in optometry. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, when you graduated, when you started, where you're currently practicing. Yeah. So thank you, first off, for having me on the Optometric Insights podcast. Um, My name is Mark Schaefer. I'm practicing in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I'd like to say that I was born into this profession. I'm a second generation optometrist. So patients always ask how long I've been doing this. My response is usually 38 years, Um, but I graduated. Which is how old you are. (laughs) Correct. Correct. So um, graduated from Southern College of Optometry in 2011. I did a residency in Baskin Palmer in Miami, Florida in 2012 or finished in 2012 and been working um, in a private practice now acquired by my eye doctor, um, doing anything and everything that walks in the door from four to 94 dry eye, ocular service disease, glaucoma, macular degeneration, cataracts, glasses, contact lenses, you name it. If it can sit down in the chair, we're doing it. So um, that's me in a nutshell. It's great, Mark. You're actually, you're a young voice for the profession because that's really what most of us are doing and working with. But we were talking earlier, Mark, um, you you actually discovered a pretty interesting book and um, your perspective on it was interesting. It's called Range. Share a little bit about the book and how you've taken some of those philosophies in the book and really applied it to healthcare and, and the way that you practice. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I read all sorts of books. I think that it's really important for us to broaden our scope outside of, you know, our scope of practice, but also our scope of knowledge um, outside of the optometric community. But it's a book that's really about how generalists succeed in a specialized world. And we see a lot of specialization, even within optometry, whether we're in different avenues, but it talks about how people who are raised as generalists, who, you know, if you look at the music community, people who pick up 12 different instruments, tend to be virtuosos in a singular instrument because they can look at the full orchestra when they perform. People who are athletes, you tend to see them be four or five letter sports um, and then go on to be superstars in a different sport. So Roger Federer is one of those who played soccer and tennis and everything and then decided to be a tennis star basically and created that. So within optometry, we have so many different areas that we can specialize in from front to back and in between. And this is kind of something that I've just applied to optometry that you want to know a lot about everything, um, but you're not going to know everything about everything. So you need to be able to learn how to master those referrals into other OD colleagues who are doing it better than you are um, and recognizing your own strengths and weaknesses, but also knowing that patients are coming in to see you they're not going to come in and say, oh, well, I only have glaucoma, so I'm only going to see a glaucoma optometrist. That's not really happening in our practices because we have patients that come in that schedule eye exams and we find other problems and patients are allowed to have more than one diagnosis. So I think it's important for us as optometrists to be able to pull off that full range, if you will, of being able to treat eye diseases, but at the same time, knowing how to manage those referrals within our own within our own community. It's interesting, Mark, and you're so, I couldn't agree with you more because, you know, now, especially with access to information, patients come in and 
they're educated, whether it be the type of education that we want them to have, or whether it be any knowledge on the entities or conditions that they may be concerned with because of internet access and availability, they, they just are more versed on the conditions that we communicate with them too. And they, they come in having questions. And I mean, don't you feel it's increasingly important to really be well versed on kind of the, what's, what's happening in every aspect of eye care, because you really don't know what that patient's going to ask you until they're in that chair. Oh, 100%. And now with so much being on social media and so much in digital marketing, you know, like we're seeing ads for things like Tepeza for thyroid eye disease, which is not very well known, but we have patients who are now saying, hey, do I have thyroid eye disease because I have a thyroid condition? And that's a condition that we can be champions of because we can actually take care of the ocular service in a lot of these early stages. Um, but those are things that are happening day in and day out where patients come in and now have that knowledge because they're in a focus group, because they're on social media, because they follow this certain person or saw it in a reel on Instagram. So it is becoming more and more common for our patients to have this information and to be exposed to this information before they set foot into our office. Yeah, so you are you are truly applying the principles without even knowing it, Mark, into clinical practice. I, I feel like the book was more of a justification of what you were already doing and a security blanket on what you're already doing as opposed to really kind of reframing how you're doing things, which is awesome. But it brings me up to my next topic. So this is this is a biggie, Mark, and you and I have had conversations about this, you know, um, talking about the generalist and talking about really having exposure to everything. There's going to be a big place in optometry very, very shortly where we're going to see a shift in how we're managing a very commonplace condition. And that's in presbyopia. I mean, right now we have glasses, we have contact lenses, and we have, to a certain extent, some levels of refractive surgery, but we don't have anything pharmacologically available currently right now. And we're on the cusp of not only one, but several companies delivering this technology. Um, I want to get your opinion on this, Mark. How's this going to change? How's this going to supplement what you're currently doing? How's this going to fracture what you're currently doing? I just want your opinions on it because there's a lot of questions in this area of pharmacology for presbyopia treatment. So I think it's really exciting. I think we're at a really cool point in optometry. And as someone who's been around it for 38 years, it's really nice <laughs> to see that. But what I'm really excited about is how I get to use this to impact patients' lives, right? At the end of the day, that's what we're, we all signed up to be doctors for this reason. We all want to impact our patients' lives. And one thing that this pandemic has really got me more focused on is really the psychological aspect of our conditions that we're treating. So what is the psychological impact of being diagnosed with dry eye disease, being diagnosed with glaucoma, not being able to see well out of glasses and contact lenses? These are the types of things that now I'm connecting more with patients on a personal level and kind of allowing myself to answer more questions for them that make them feel like this is a normalized experience, not that it doesn't feel awful to go through it and experience it yourself, but that someone is there to listen and hear their complaints. And presbyopia is one of those, such a hot button issue. I don't want to call it a hot button issue, but such a pain point for our patients. They come in and they go, I can't see up close. It happened overnight. And as optometrists, we always sit here and go, 
yeah, it happens to everybody, right? So like that's our canned response is that, yes, it happens to everyone. But to sit down and actually think about what that means for our patients, now we have an option that kind of allows us to do something more, right? That allows us to give patients what they always want is their natural vision or more natural vision back for them to give them the ability to see far away and up close and go back and forth. So the pharmacological aspect to this is how can we do this in a manner which is going to elevate our profession and not take away from it? You know, things like multifocal soft contact lenses and progressive non-adapts. I'm curious to see what happens to those because those aren't going to be in any clinical trials. That's all going to be based on clinical experience and anecdotal evidence. But can we make the contact lens wearing experience better? Can we make progressive wears better? Because all of those things, if we can improve that by fractions, we're still making a huge improvement to our patients' lives because they're not frustrated. They're not upset. They're not thinking about how they have to live their life and make justifications or, or different areas of changes, modifications in order for them to see clearly and get through their day. Now we're providing a, a way for them to do that that's easy, seamless, and can deliver. Yeah, it's interesting, Mark. You know, you wonder what interest from patients will be on this. We've already started sharing with patients. This this is something that's going to be available. We've already started our patient list and I'm I'm still shocked and surprised at how interested patients are in wanting to be on that list and 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 first access. You bring up another good point too with the the pandemic. I mean, you know, communicating to somebody on a Zoom call is an unnatural situation because normally when you're communicating to somebody, you don't see yourself. But when you're on a Zoom call, you get a constant reminder of what you're looking like and looking at. And for patients with progressives that may be tipping their head back or trying to get into the focal point of the Zoom, they get that constant reminder that they need some type of multifocal or somebody putting on a pair of reading glasses for a Zoom call. They get that constant reminder where they, they don't usually have that in a social setting. They know it's something they have to use, but they don't physically see themselves putting it on. So I see this as a massive advancement. And I, and I think this is going to um, propel optometry and the patients that we care for forward in a dramatically improved way. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this and we've seen data on this that, you know, 32 million Americans are walking around with over-the-counter readers. And like, nothing upsets me more than being on a Zoom call and seeing like the reflection glare of like everybody else's screen. It really helps you connect theirs. with somebody, right, Mark? Yeah, like, exactly. It really helps you connect with somebody. Just, 100%. <laughs> but those are the moments where I'm like, this is a benefit for those patients. It's going to bring patients into our office that otherwise wouldn't have an eye exam. Like, I can't tell you how many first-time eye exams we get, which are, this is my issue, is I'm having trouble with that near. I've got to extend my arm out a little bit. I haven't had an eye exam in... God knows how long, right? 10, 20, 30 years. I have that all the time. And I like to joke with patients on the way out is, hey, I'm going to see you next year. Let's not do it in 25 more years, right? <laughs> and the patient always laughs and they always feel guilty about it. But I am using that time like you're doing, Mila, and educating patients that we're going to see you again next year. And by that time, we expect to have a drop that's FDA approved. Yeah. In the next three to five years, we're going to have four to five different options for us to choose from um, that have different mechanisms of action, too. So I think this is really exciting for us to be on the forefront and kind of be 
putting this into our patients' eyes and into their lives to see how it does, because the clinical trials are fantastic and we've seen good data on it initially, but I think where we're going to see this is real world, how the patients really don't have to lean on those readers, don't have to lean on you know, the struggles that they're having in order to see clearly up close. Yeah. And for lack of a better way to describe it, the proof's going to be in the pudding, Mark, just like you said, when we get the drops, how are they going to perform? Mark, I, we could, we could go on for the next hour. Um, we do have to cut this short, unfortunately. Um, as always, thank you so much for your time. This was absolutely phenomenal. I think you've given us new perspectives on one, really just perspectives on eye care and how it fits, fits into the general healthcare schema and really how we can be more for our patients. And two is understanding this new technology that's going to emerge um, in our practices. I want to thank you, Mark, for being on. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the OI Show podcast. Um, and certainly we are excited to share with you others just like Mark and some of the new innovations in eye care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.